This is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. Welcome to episode 269, brought to you with listener support. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Matters. This is Glenn Wheeler here with Mi'kmaq Matters correspondent, Greg Jaynes. Good to see you again, Greg. Thanks, Glenn. It's always great to be back uh, chatting with you and your audience. This week, we're talking about a continuing story that has not got the attention that it deserves. And that is the latest developments in the Benoit case. There are things happening in the courthouse and on the ground. We are speaking on Sunday, October 22nd. And uh, on October 24th, which is Tuesday coming, uh, there are important events happening in St. John's that we'll tell you about. While that's going on, there are meetings involving some of the community bands and former Flat Bay Chief Liz Lasaga. And Greg, give us a, a brief uh, snippet of what's happening uh, with that. Yeah, Glenn, that, so there are uh, moves being made as uh per Judge Marshall's ruling that uh, essentially what Judge Marshall has said that she's put it on a put us on a time machine and wind the clock back to 2009. So uh, everybody's asking what that's looking like right now. Right. So it could be that uh, the uh, chiefs who are the uh, who were in place in um, in these community bands in 2009 uh, might come back and uh, be the uh, the uh, the new leadership of the FNI uh, in 2023. But first, um, let's give listeners a, a brief recap of the Benoit decision, which came down in June of this year. The Supreme Court of Newfoundland and Labrador found that the Federation of Newfoundland Indians acted improperly in 2009 when it passed a special resolution changing its bylaws. And that bylaw change allowed them to transfer assets and control from the FNI leadership to the Council of the New Halibut First Nation. So they gave over everything, their assets and their control, to Halibut. The problem was that this special resolution was not provided in advance to the existing members as provided by the by the bylaws. So on that basis, the court said the change was illegal under the Provincial Corporations Act. Uh, so a major a major ruling there. And um, Judge uh, Marshall also said that all feature decisions of the FNI were without corporate authority, including the negotiation of the supplemental, supplemental agreement that resulted in more than 10,000 people and losing their status in Halibut. Judge Valerie Marshall ordered that the original bylaws be reinstated and that the names of the six plaintiffs be put back on the FNI list. Uh, legally, according to what uh, Justice Marshall is saying, um, the people uh, who were in leadership back then are in leadership right now. So it's um, it's back to the future. We have been surprised that we have heard so little from either Halibu slash FNI or from Friends of Halibu that brought the case. There's been a, a kind of like a news blackout from all concerned. 
Um, I I understand that um, the lawyer for FNI slash Halibu, uh, Phil Buckingham, has told Halibu not to say anything about it. Uh, but from uh, friends of Halibu, why do you think we have not heard anything more from them about what all this means? Yeah, Glenn, we've heard a lot of, uh, very little actually, not when it comes to people uh, asking questions and very few answers. We know that we will not hear from Halibu, not because it is not within Halibu's interest. It is with the FNI who has to uh, make a statement. And as of right now, um, there is no one to make a statement because as Brendan Mitchell told me last Monday, he is no longer president of the FNI. And as for Halibu, uh, or as for friends of Halibu, um, they certainly don't want to expose their uh, hand right now to the other opponent. That's, um, you know, it's, it's a very intense card game here right now. And I think they want to see what what falls out of the tree first uh, before mm -hmm. making comment. But uh, after the appeal on the 24th now, there may be a lot more answers uh, forthcoming. Uh, we may see uh, some very clear direction. Now, um, we've been looking at the uh, <clears throat> the appeal documents, and it's kind of interesting. It gives you a, a kind of sense of um, of what a big problem this is, uh, this kind of like um, we're kind of in a twilight zone of not knowing what's what right now. And uh, looking at the um, the papers filed by Phil Buckingham on behalf of FNI, trying, trying to get uh, – what he's trying to do on the 24th is to get a stay of the original order. So basically he wants to say, look, we're appealing this decision of, of Justice Marshall. So we want a freeze, like freeze everything that she said we had to do in her order because um, we're going to appeal. And uh, he sets out in his, uh, in his court documents that he's filed um, the problem uh, for FNI. He says, um, that um, uh, the order eliminates the ability of the current board, i.e. the current board of the FNI, to protect FNI's ongoing interests, make specific decisions as regards FNI's appeal, including ongoing instruction of counsel. So in other words, who, who was giving him directions? Lawyers always ask their clients, what do you want to do? Here are your options and which one do you want? But uh, which board does he ask? Does he ask the uh, the Halibut councillors or the people in power uh, back in 2009? Um, so that's one thing he mentions. And he also says a new board, uh, that is to say the board of these uh, uh, 2009 people who are, if they were put back in office, this new board will have the ability to determine if FNI if F continues prosecution of the appeal, an appeal which will argue that the decision that led to the new board's existence ought to be overturned. So in other words, this new board is giving instructions on a case in which their status as a new board will be determined. So they're almost like in a conflict of interest right there. You know, what are they? Are they new? They might be a new board only for a few months until this uh, appeal is disposed of. Uh, when it comes to legal instructions, of course, there's the case before the Federal Court of Canada, the uh, what we knew as the Jerry Brake case, now known as the uh, as the Collins case, and F and I is um, is a party to that case. So this is, and that case continues. So F and I will need to get instructions uh, on that case. So it is uh, an issue in that litigation as well. So a very complicated uh, legal 
and uh, political situation there. Greg, I guess uh, one of the, uh, I guess we could call it the, um, the unintended consequences of this is that the uh, developments on the veterans file are kind of frozen now. We were so close to getting you uh, and the other veterans and the retired RCMP people back in Halibu after um, uh, losing status because uh, you were serving outside of your communities. But now it seems uh, uh, that's on hold. Uh, yeah, Glenn, um, unfortunately, veterans are uh, devastated over this. My sources have told me that we were probably a week or two away from uh, receiving either the exception or rejection letters now. But I was told there was all over 80% acceptance of head of 840 veterans that filed for um, for status. So uh, Chief Mitchell was very happy with, with the outcome of that. And uh, I'll give credit where credit is due. Uh, Brennan has been pursuing this file um, relentlessly. Even when his own, uh, you know, his own board members and everything did not want to uh, pursue it, we got this far uh, down down here. Uh, I questioned on Monday. I went to see uh, Chief Mitchell personally, and he did uh, oblige me with some time in the foyer or in the porch of the area, and we had a quick, con- uh, uh, frank conversation about it. And I asked him why uh, have veterans not received an explanation to why the FNI has put their file on uh, on hold. His response was that I would love to, but I'm not the president of the FNI right now. And uh, so that leaves a lot of veterans in a lot of limbo. While all this is going on in court, we have things happening on the ground. So into this uncertainty, we have uh, some people involved in the community bands, uh, former members of the FNI who want to put the FNI back together as it was back in 2009, when the chiefs of the original nine bands were in the, the driver's seat of, um, of FNI. And that effort is being spearheaded by Liz Lasaga, former chief of the Flat Bay Band, and now the band's chief executive officer. And um, we can say that Liz has been uh, active in a group uh, called NARM, which is the Native, uh, Newfoundland Association of Rural Mi'kmaq Nations. And uh, tell us about uh, the work that NARM and Liz have done there in, in terms of getting uh, uh, grants uh, and uh, financial support for these community bands, which they otherwise would not get from, from Halibut. Liz works as a consultant, and the monies that, that uh, she would get from uh INAC or whatever, and that would be distributed among other bands for their projects. Um, there is no um, accountability, let's say, in, in that. We don't know which band receives what and what for. Earlier in October, um, Liz put out a survey. Uh, uh, it's called Survey of Band Members Concerning Memorandum of Understanding Between uh, World Energy GH2 and Halibu and the six impacted Mi'kmaq communities. And basically, this uh, survey came um, in the aftermath of the of the court decision, uh, putting uh, the FNI back together as it was. And uh, in the introduction to the survey, uh, she raised um, 
issues about the uh, this MOU signed with Halibut. And she mentions that um, they uh, tried to have a meeting with the provincial government uh, about um, the role of the historic uh, Mi'kmaq bands, but uh, there was was no answer, and uh, the invitation was withdrawn. And she also says that um, she tried to um, have meetings with with Halibut. Nothing came of that either. And uh, regarding um, Halibut, she says that because it's a landless band, uh, it should not be making decisions about the territory of uh, the community bands, uh, which are the rightful representative. And um, she said Halibut has stated they will not put away funds to provide the six impacted Mi'kmaq communities with the assistance to repair any provincial environmental, social, health, or economic consequences. And she uh, said that she talked to World Energy GH2, and they were willing to work with Halibut and all the the, uh, organizations. But as she says, this matter is left unanswered as Halibut fails to respond. In dealing with this thing on Facebook, uh, we described it as as mischief because um, in the sense that um, you know, she's um, criticizing uh, Halibut for not having consultation. But of course, uh, Flat Bay and some of the members of NARM are supporting this very controversial wind energy project, which is opposed by most people in the area in which it will be built. Uh, more than 320 mammoth uh, wind turbines that uh, people in those areas do not want. But still, uh, <laughs> Despite that, uh, Flat Bay, uh, Three Rivers, Bama First Nation are supporting this uh, this project that's opposed by so many people. So the word uh, mischief uh, referred to uh, that um, perhaps inconsistency in position. But leaving all that aside, um, uh, we see that um, uh, there's an attempt to um, restore these uh, community bans in the driver's seat of FNI. And I understand, Greg, that uh, recently there was a meeting of a call by um, by uh, yeah. by Liz of the uh, of the bands. you were you were on the call initially, but um, you were uh, you were excused. Uh, before you um, were kicked off the call. Uh, what can you tell us about who was there and the agenda for that meeting and uh, and what was in store? Uh, right, Glenn. So to give it some context, that I received an email uh, that uh, someone shared with me in, in confidence. Um, once I read the email, I was uh, quite concerned over uh, what was going on, who was invited, what the agenda was, and who was calling it and calling the. Uh, uh, calling the shots in the first place. Uh, you know, it, we knew that it was not, um, this was not the chief of first, uh, of Flat Bay calling the meeting. It was a consultant that was calling the meeting that really had no say in what was going on. So anyway, I jumped in on Zoom and um, <clears throat> there was a few people there from other bands uh but the question me what i why i was there i told them that i was representing the um cornerbrook indian band until uh we elect a executive 
and a chief. Now, I said, until that time, uh, I like to be privy to any correspondence or any meetings that go on so that our new chief that will be incoming um, can be brought up to speed quickly on, on the developments. But uh, at that time, um, I was kicked out. I, uh, I was allowed to attend the meeting. So I understand at this meeting, uh, there were uh, community band representatives and some others. I understand that um, uh, Jeremy King uh, was there and he has um, a litigation going on in Ontario um, regarding his status in uh, in Halibu and the uh, lawyer from also from Ontario named Glenn Bulk who uh, goes by the indigenous name Spirit Warrior, was there. Um, and also um, Elder Calvin White, I understand, was on the call. I guess uh, in some ways um, what they're trying to put together now uh, with this uh, new structure for F&I was kind of what uh, he was calling for when he was involved in the FNI many years ago, because uh, as he explains in his in his um, new book, and uh, he discussed this um, on uh, Mi'kmaq Matters on episode 263, they had something called the 2002 regime, uh, in which, um, and if that had gone through, Halibut would be kind of more of a tribal council, but the community bands would still exist. It would still be in operation today. And on, on when you went to a Halibut council meeting, you would see the chiefs of those community bands. So, you know, I guess we can speculate uh, about whether Halibut will be a more effective organization today if it went on that, uh, if it went on that uh, structure. Um but um, I guess we'll see what happens. I suppose the uh, the issue is that um, the feds are still left in the driver's seat. And um, okay. so even F&I reconstituted, they could uh, change the rules about what about who is a member of F&I. But um, I guess the big question is whether the feds will uh, accept more people uh, as Halibu members and give them Indian status because it's, it's the feds who have control of who gets Indian status, not F&I or, um, or the band. So I suppose that's the big unanswered question at the end of all this. A lot of people are, are wondering and speculating, um, you know, how this could all unfold. Uh, some believe that, uh, you know, it might be a really good thing if, if this turns back to, to the nine chiefs and uh, but there are others that which is that if it becomes a power struggle uh, this can really really fly in the face of of everyone mm. a lot at stake uh, Greg thanks for uh, filling us in and we will uh, be following uh, what happens in the court on um on Tuesday, October 24th, and provide an update on uh, on Facebook um, uh, when we get it. And uh, just a note that the next meeting of Halibut Council is taking place in Grand Falls, Windsor on November the 4th. So we'll see if um, we hear anything more about uh, the ongoing legal issues uh, than we've heard in previous council meeting uh, meetings. We 
we are hopeful. Um, perhaps we'll hear more there. That's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Big Mom Matters. Our researcher is Hillary McGinnis. For Greg James, this is Glenn Wheeler saying, Amsonogamon. <laughs>